0: Mansplaination is a show about two men trying to break free from the prison of toxic masculinity. They offer no professional advice or suggestion. They will occasionally use adult language and will often discuss examples of violence and malicious behavior, so parental guidance is recommended. Hey y'all, this is Tim, just popping in right now to say that this is part two of a three-part episode. Part one was last week, so if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen to it first. Um, at some point, I will combine all three parts into one mega bonus episode. But for now, this is what you get. Also, there's some noise, background noise in the beginning. Don't worry about it. It's it's fine. But yeah, sorry that there's the little clanking and hissing. You'll
1: you'll hear it. There's nothing.
0: I usually just you know I'm, we're getting some feedback, so I thought I would let yeah, you know.
1: Feedback's good. Feedback's great. Yeah. Wow. Keep talking. I can't talk more loud than this because uh, I don't. One of the kids are sleeping. Blah blah blah.
0: Yeah, I don't need you to.
1: Okay, good, good, good. Because you... I wasn't gonna.
0: Explanation, a discussion between two friends about masculinity, pretty much. I'm Tim. Mm -hmm. I'm Todd. Welcome to the Double T Show. Yep. I leaned back and I hit a sweet spot. Now I'm way louder. God damn it.
1: That's probably what it is. The next comment's going to be, Tim, quit leaning back. What's wrong with you? Oh, (laughs)
0: Uh, all I did this weekend was play video games, essentially. And eat oh, pizza.
1: my God, that sounds magical to me. Yeah. All I did this weekend was watch Disney cartoons.
0: Oh, that, that sounds magical, too.
1: No, no, it's not. Good ones? i I, I got to give a credit. The, uh, the more recent Disney cartoons tend to be a little bit better. I like the, uh, the messages, the animation, the storylines a lot better. Uh, okay. Moana is particularly good. I, I mm-hmm. like Frozen a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. We watched uh, Little Mermaid, A little while ago, I have two young daughters, a four year old Uh and a two year old. And uh, Little Mermaid, I I would say, is a little problematic.
0: Yes, in many ways.
1: Many, many Um, ways.
0: I was just, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I forget how it came up, but uh, specifically talking about gay coded villains. Mm. Oh, and how Ursula is a very. That's, yeah, that's, I, I just encountered that a couple different people talking about that. She shows up as an example of. You know, drag, like, you know, using mm-hmm. a lot of drag stereotype. Because and... she was
1: modeled off of Divine. Yeah.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: From, uh, yeah, John Waters fame.
0: Um, and she has tentacles, which are like penises.
1: The, th- the thing that kind of bothered me is you have a girl who meets mm. a boy. Instantly falls in love, willing to forsake the thing that is uh, her most uh, valued trait about herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Needs rescue, destroys her family in the process. But that's cool because she lives happily ever after. After she uh, kills Divine, after he kills Divine, she doesn't even do that. He stabs her. He stabs her with a boat.
0: (laughs) That's. I mean, that's pretty epic. Getting stabbed with a boat
1: it's pretty metal, but I mean, I
0: said epic, but it's metal too. you
1: said epic. it's it's metal,
0: <laughs> yeah, I have this connection with the Little mermaid because i I don't know when it would have come out like ninety two ninety one. I would have been like eight um going to the, the movies with my parents. And I really wanted to see The Little Mermaid. My mom took me aside. Just she looked at me, is like, your dad doesn't really want to see that. We oh. can go see that at another time, just you and me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go see. Uh, <laughs> let's go see National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation instead. Which, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: clearly a better movie. It,
0: <laughs> the fact that that's a family movie boggles my mind.
1: It's a family movie in
0: the eighties, but I feel like it still is. Like, I have a friend who essentially does like AV stuff with kids, Mm -hmm. not like maybe like ten to twelve year olds, preteens. Okay, Um, and I I think I think it's once a quarter, once like a half a year, they do a movie. They like script. They script out a movie. They write it. They shoot it, and then they screen it at you know at the auditorium in the school. Um, and Continue. they recently did National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I'm like, is that appropriate for children? And I'm like, I guess it
1: is. I, I'm running through it in my head. I, I can think of a couple of like swears in it. I don't th- I can't think of any nudity or sex in it. Oh, the violence is incredibly cartoony. It's very sexual. I mean it's a Chevy Chase. I, refresh my memory.
0: Um I mean there's a scene with Kathy Kathy Ireland. I mean, do you remember Vacation? I don't is Vacation a family movie?
1: I remember Vacation. I don't I don't think it would be a family movie. I think it would be like a a movie for like teens and preteens. The movie you sneak into. Okay.
0: Whereas Christmas, like it, it it's essentially a slide down where European Vacation and the First Vacation are more teen to adult, and then Christmas Vacation is is, sex, is fun for the whole family?
1: I would say that Christmas Vacation is a family movie in that, for some reason, you slap Christmas onto anything, it automatically becomes a family movie. I see. I know families that sit down and watch Bad Santa together. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that was the joke that went through my mind, and, he, and you were telling me, no, that it's not a joke, that... It's not a joke.
1: And how many people do you know that consider uh, Die Hard a Christmas movie or Love Actually a Christmas movie? Love actually
0: movie? is a Christmas movie though. It mm-hmm. takes place
1: t- But is it a family Christmas movie? No, not
0: not at all.
1: It involves nudity, it involves a sexual lot of sex situations. Blatant Liam Neesoning going on right and left in that movie. So, no, no, I would say it's a Christmas movie, but not a family Christmas movie.
0: How do we get, how do we start talking about Christmas movies? It's March.
1: Little Mermaid. Okay. Yeah. Um, my experience with Little Mermaid is I was 13 when it came out, and I bought so many tickets to see the Little Mermaid, and I never saw it once. Because oh, basically, nice. my family would drop me off at the theater. Oh. And it'd be like, what are you buying a ticket to? A little Mermaid. And then I immediately walk into Exorcist 3 uh-huh. or Jacob's Ladder or something like probably way beyond me. And I remember getting caught once uh, in, in Exorcist 3 and the guy came in and was like, this isn't a Little Mermaid, is it? I was like, no, it isn't. He's like, you, think you can handle this shit, kid. I was like, I think I can. All right. Enjoy. And that, that was it. And the, in retrospect, the kid was probably like, I was 13, he was probably 16, but he seemed like a man of the world is like, yes, I pass.
0: Right. Any Anybody older than you, like anybody like a year or more older than you as a kid, it, they might mm-hmm. as well
1: be 30
0: or 50 years old.
1: If you have facial hair and you can drive a car, then you, you do your own taxes and uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other world. To go back to uh, continue our conversation from last week where we talked about the Oscars and, do the right thing um, for a while. And then I tried to dovetail it into (laughs) um, my theme of sexuality, which will make more sense with
1: nine minutes left in the podcast
0: because uh, I was trying to fit it all in. We did not talk about the other favorite My other favorite famous Oscar snub, uh, Mm -hmm. which may may now come from full circle because it's what crash beat or the award was given Best Picture was given to Crash instead of this movie, which we also talked about at length
1: last week. Mm -hmm. What did Crash beat? Brokeback Mountain. I have never seen this.
0: You've never seen Brokeback Mountain?
1: I've never seen Brokeback Mountain. Not for lack of interest, not for lack of desire, I just for some reason have not.
0: Well, let me just, let me run through a synopsis of the movie, just so you have some idea. And I won't spend too much time on it since you haven't seen it.
1: I've read the book. Oh, oh. I, I would say that it's, I would say because the book's only 23 pages long and it is short. And I would say at this point, if you haven't read the book or seen the movie, do yourself a favor. Uh, I can attest to the book being a treasure. Tim will obviously attest to the movie being wonderful. Take, put, put on pause, do yourself a favor, put something good in your life, then come back. And we're back.
0: I've read, I've also read the book, the book and the movie are pretty much shot for shot the same. They can't be shot for shot the same, but since the it's a short story, a novella. So yeah, so you know you know what happens. What do you think it's about?
1: It's kind of what I tend to call an honest movie mm-hmm. in that it's about real people and how they have to react in a situation and how they want. Uh, the premise is about two men and they, they work together. Um, Heath Ledger is the much more... Down to Earth, The Gruff Man, or Jake Gyllenhaal plays kind of like the flashier character.
0: The Let me just go through the synopsis I have right in front of me. Uh, 1963, Ennis Del Mar, played by Heath Ledger, and Jack Twist, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, are hired to herd sheep in Wyoming at Brokeback Mountain. After a night of heavy drinking... Jack makes a pass at Ennis, who is initially hesitant, but eventually responds. Despite Ennis telling Jack that it was a one-time incident, they develop a sexual and emotional relationship over the months they're spending herding these sheep. Um, After they part ways, they both get married, both have children, and finally Jack gets in touch with Ennis, and they start going on fishing trips together. Mm -hmm. So at one point, their both their marriages start to deteriorate. Upon hearing that Ennis has divorced, Jack drives to Wyoming and suggests that him and Ennis move like start a ranch together, move in together, and live live together. Jack refuses, or Ennis, sorry, Ennis refuses um, to move away from his children, and also because he's uh, tells the story about his daddy taking him and his brother to see a dead body. I think I'm making this up. I'm not reading this. From, I just remember this part from uh, the movie in the book where he describes to Jack about essentially, you know, in, in Wyoming, gay men just, it, it's a death sentence. You get you yeah. get killed. So Jack starts to go to Mexico to essentially find solace with male prostitutes because it's it, it, he... As in the, in the famous, I can't quit you scene, or I just don't know how to quit you scene, it's essentially them arguing about that, where Ennis is either in more control of his sexuality or more repressed. The movie doesn't really, or book really doesn't delve directly into their psyche or make judgments about why or what they're thinking. They essentially argue about sex and Jack says, I can't, you know, I, I can't go one year with just these little meetings and just having this built on our, this one time we were able to spend weeks together in Brokeback Mountain. That That's all we're chasing. And then, as you said, uh, later, um, Ennis receives a postcard that he had sent to Jack, stamped deceased. He calls Anne Hathaway, Lurleen, who tells him that Jack died in an accident. But as the conversation is going on, the movie shows Ennis imagining Jack being beaten to death by thugs, um, which I think is what he I think in the book it does also describe that like he okay. imagines he imagines him being beaten to death in his dead body. Uh, Lurleen tells Jack that, Er, or tells Ennis, and it's funny that I'm messing up their names, which I'm gonna will be the first thing I say. Lurleen tells Ennis that Jack wanted to have his ashes scattered on Brokeback Mountain but does not know where it is. Uh Ennis travels to meet Jack's parents to, to take Jack's ashes to the mountain. The father refuses, permitted by Jack's mother to see Jack's childhood bedroom. Ennis finds the bloodstained shirt he thought he had lost 30 years ago on Brokeback Mountain. He discovers Jack kept it hanging with his own stained shirt from that summer's fight. Ennis holds up the shirt to his face, silently weeping. And then Jack's mother lets him keep the shirts. And that that's pretty much the end of the movie. There's there's a coda after that. But uh, the, the one reason I keep messing up their names, because to me, this movie, while it is a love story and a romance between about you know, two people falling in love and trying to deal with that, the, the ramifications of what it means for two male cowboys to be in love. To me, it's also a very psychological character study of a single man and essentially about, right, like Ennis and Jack are essentially two sides of a coin, right? I, I don't know if that allusion is ever made in the movie, But, right, one is very quiet and reserved and very self-possessed. And the other one, like you said, Jack is very flashy, very forward, very charismatic, and very sexual, right? There's a scene between Michelle Williams and Heath Ledger where they argue about sex because she wants him to wear a condom (laughs) so they don't get pregnant. And he's like, I don't want to wear a condom. I don't like that. And so he essentially Heath Ledger's like I'm fine being celibate and not having sex with my wife. So a very, okay. it, it you know it presents essentially a very you know two ends of a spectrum. One who is very reserved and very self possessed and very interior.
1: Do you think that Heath Ledger was not wearing, willing to wear a condom so he would not have to have sex with a woman at that point? It, they had two kids to have sex with a man. No. Yeah, <laughs> two kids could be twice.
0: Well that's what that that that's where the argument um, boils down to is that um she doesn't want to have more kids and he's like and then that's what he's like well it's like if you don't want to have kids then why do you want to have sex with me kind of thing right like to him sex is a very practical
1: not a pleasure experience it's kind of like okay we need kids here we go let's do this you don't want, you don't want to have kids fine i'm out of it
0: yeah both both characters are very complex um and i don't I, you know i'm not going to try to analyze the movie because i kind of want to get to the point because we're running out of time again (laughs) this is going to be like five a five-part series my point was to address that i don't identify as straight straight i don't identify as gay or bi but i do identify as queer
1: what does queer mean to you
0: (sighs) oh um I don't know. Okay, that's sort of why I kind of wanted to explore this topic with you. I, I don't really understand what it, what masculinity means. It's a fair point. And like, I, I mean, I, you know, and when I say I don't understand what it means, I don't understand what it means to me as my identity. Okay. And one of the reasons I think that I've I struggle to talk about it is. Because I've always kind of like I've always kind of been aware of that.
1: When did you first become aware of this?
0: Um, yeah, since I'm a kid, right? Like it's the standard okay. it's the standard answer. It, it wasn't even me questioning my own sexuality. like it went very quickly to questioning the ideas of sexuality, masculinity, femininity, gender in general and that I didn't see how they applied to me kind of thing. Okay, right. And if they didn't apply to me, what does that mean about, uh, you know, it doesn't, I, it doesn't really apply to other people.
1: Some of the questions that I texted you?
0: Um, I will go back to something I touched on last week, which this was precipitated by feedback that we got from a listener about how we should talk more about sex work. I okay. was like, well, okay, before we talk about sex work, we need, we need to, we need to build to that just so that we, you know, me, both, you know, you and I and the listener. But I should say, if you haven't listened to episode number nine of our show, go please start there. This is part two. Part one was episode nine. Well, well, this is it. This is 10.
1: As much as you're comfortable in telling me, I mean, this is personal, this is private, this is your own. what, What does it mean to identify as queer for you? Does this mean you're attracted to men? Does this mean you're attracted to men and women? Does this mean that you're interested in a relationship with a man
0: and and so this is why i struggle to to label it because i i think some people say pan or bi but that's not it's to me right that's what going back what i sort of meant that gender doesn't apply to other i'm attracted to whom i'm i'm attracted to it has nothing to do with their gender okay okay which is my understanding of it uh my, of my own identity
1: and sexuality. Okay, if you find somebody and they meet the criteria for somebody you're attracted to, then gender is not one of the criteria that's considered.
0: It, it's it's funny because listening when I listened to and put out our episode about you know male female friendships, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we this was where we should have started talking about it. Because I was like, oh, I don't see, you know, in that that conversation I talked about, it doesn't make sense to me to limit your pool of potential friendships on just like, oh, I need to pick 50% of the population. And you said it's the, the thing about some men won't be friends with gay guys. But, you know, that's a, that's something I've heard and something you've heard from other mm-hmm. men and other male friends is that you can't be friends with a gay man because maybe they want to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. I'd had a conversation that essentially ended the friendship where I had a friend who would go up on a, a soapbox about how uh, transsexuality was a mental illness mm. to change your gender was against nature, right? Like he took a very, and this was someone who was otherwise very progressive in their beliefs, like not liberal, okay. like progressive in their beliefs about.
1: But open-minded in a lot of things.
0: Except this one thing. And he was, Yeah, he was a he. He was a very masculine person, and he was someone who you either like men or you like women. You either are a man, you are a woman. Yeah, and we and at the time I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't defend it or say it's like, well, you're kind of talking about me in that way, then. Yeah, because to me it doesn't. It shouldn't matter for me personally. If it matters to you, that's fine. But it's not like. They're going, you know. It's not some kind of deviancy that they're going to trick you into sex. That's sexual, right? That that's a whole. That's somebody who's a devi- you know, sexually deviant. That's devi- a bad person. A crime. That's a bad person, right? I think about the scene. You know, a train spotting. There's a, a scene where uh, one of the characters is at a club and starts making out with uh, another club person, one who, who he assumes to be female and realizes that it's a tra- transvestite transgen- transgender. And you and McGregor says, oh, come on, it could have been beautiful, mm-hmm. Begbie the the character played by Robert Carlyle grabs him very violently and threatens to kill him if he says anything cuz he's not a puff. He's not a poof. Right. He's not gay. And that's a you know that's a common thread to me both what we talk about a lot and with Terry Crews and with Brokeback Mountain is this fear th- that the culture places on young boys and on men that To be seen as being gay or be feminine or be a woman is the worst thing that can happen to you. So Heath Ledger, in an interview where, right, this this interviewer is beating around the bush and pestering him about, oh, didn't you think about if this didn't work out? Heath Ledger said something to the effect of, I wouldn't have had the the courage to do it if I thought about you know it being some kind of choice right like if i had read this script and considered oh what is society going to think about me for not only portraying a gay man but portraying a gay man as a hu- a fully formed human being Who's wrestling with his identity, but is also very clearly in love with this other man? The guy keeps saying he's like, "Oh, you, you must have known that it was a risky decision that could pay off big." And Heath Ledger finally says, "Is like, what was I risking?" He's like, "It never, no risk occurred to me. This was a role to play." Um, and right, and essentially, it's like you were risking being seen not as a man anymore, right? You wouldn't be able to be, the Joker. I guess if if Brokeback Mountain was not a huge success that it was, and a cultural cultural touchstone that it was, Jake Gyllenhaal's response was uh, you know, in this same interview that I listened to, and I'll post I'll post both these interviews in the show notes. That he a lot of people tell him that his character is the more female one, and he's like, I don't even know what that means. You would ask me, does my wife Jen, my wife? know about this and if so how did this conversation go down and so i'm guessing what what i'm curious uh, before i answer is what do you think that conversation was or what would have the conversation
1: been in order to be able to ask you that question and have an understanding of how this how that conversation would have gone between you and your wife i would have to know what does queer mean to you
0: (laughs) what does queer mean to you is, I think more important it, it why, um, because our identities aren't our are, are, are reflections of how other people see us.
1: And I would make the argument in that I can tell you that I am straight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and to me, that may mean one thing, but to another person out there who identifies as straight, it may mean something very different. Okay, it might mean. I am in a committed relationship with my wife, blah, 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 but if I ever find myself in a situation where it's me and men, I still intend to have sex, and I'll, I'll kind of engage for stay in prison, you know, or uh, in other situations, whereas I will have my emotional needs met at one place, but when I get out to an area where I can have what I prefer, I will go back to that. Ultimately, my point here is: if you're not going to use the stereotypically agreed upon terms such as gay, straight, or bisexual, if you're going to use something as queer, I I would very much like to hear what your definition of that is.
0: Why I brought up Kinsey last week as sort of a way to start Uh, here—I don't have the quote in front of me anymore—but but but to paraphrase, Kinsey did not use the words homosexual and heterosexual to refer to individuals because he did not believe that, that it was a term that could describe an individual sexuality because the things that you, how you physically engage and how you mentally engage in your sexuality could be very different. So mm-hmm. to, to use a, you know, stereotypical, what I think the stereotypical example is um, Kurt Vonnegut, Breakfast of Champions, the man who is a transvestite at home with his wife, but very much sees himself as a straight male. Mm-hmm. I would, right. I don't agree. Like, if you're a man and you wear your wife's clothes and have sex, with, right, engage with your sexuality that way, that actually does make you queer. Okay. And to say you're straight is because you are afraid of what it means to say you are queer.
1: I can only come from this from the perspective of what I hope to be is an open minded. Mm-hmm. Straight, white, middle-aged blah 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 and from for me i just feel like if i am not these things it's not up to me to define them okay it's up to me to listen and to understand
0: with uh, i'm 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 com- i'm not sure but i'm comfortable not being sure
1: and this is where you feel you're at
0: wow that could, this could we could just talk about this for 2 weeks
1: <laughs> yeah this is a lot to unpack and i would say maybe next time we just dive straight into this
0: oh but we need to like have like topic
1: no, I'm into this. I'm into this. You would, right. I think this is a much more interesting part here than, uh, you know, what I think about the De La Soul Tommy Boy controversy, which we can talk about later. It's more real.
0: Yeah, but to get there, at, like, I, the way I've gotten here to this point is by how I've interacted with pop culture and movies, specifically okay. movies. So I think that's why I keep using that as my touchstone. That's fair. Because I think... Both do the right thing, and Brokeback Mountain deal with this question of identity, how I see myself, and how the world sees me, and how I think the world should see me, and how mm-hmm. the world thinks I should act. Both Brokeback Mountain, Brokeback Mountain is, you know, more laser-focused on sexuality, where do the right thing is about race. But that's that's how I'm, I'm going to approach this conversation. Okay both th- this idea of how we see ourselves and how other people see us and how we think other how we want other people to see us and how other people want to see us
1: well maybe that's a fair question Tim how do you want people to see you and,
0: and right that's why I said I'm like I think we I, yeah. you know before we talk about anything to do with you know sexual abuse, Sex crime, sex work, we just need to straight up have a conversation about sexual identity and sexuality. Um, totally fair. Because, right, I, it's like, right, well, I don't, you know, we keep, and I said, and it's like, I'm fine with it. It's like, we're, we're both straight, white, cis men, is a fair way to describe the show.
1: But that's more me than you.
0: Really, it's, it's way more complicated than that. Um, okay. Because, right, from, again to go back to that point of identity, how, how people, how our friends and other people see us, um, I, you know, I'm having a friend where people describe me as straight, it, you know, I feel like everyone would say that, right? Like, it, there's no doubt even my homosexual friends, my gay friends would call me straight, um, even though that's not how I see myself. Okay. And I think the 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 differences between those the 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 intersection of that is interesting.
1: Here's a question, not maybe assign yourself a number on the Kinsey scale, <laughs> quick now
0: in the middle, whatever the middle is.
1: Okay, so like a four point five.
0: I, I think it's I think zero is completely heterosexual. Oh, okay, and and and, and again the, the Kinsey scale is. It's essentially both looking at sexual history, sexual desire, sexual fantasy. So zero is okay. essentially saying you've never thought about or been attracted to or interacted physically with someone with them, of the same sex. The same sex. Yeah. And then seven is the other end of that where you've never inter- you know, all of those things with a person of the opposite sex. Right. Um, so, yeah.
1: So, and straight straight in the middle good choice of words todd
0: straight in the middle just to and somewhere i think I, identity and this in particular because you know sexuality is physical it's 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 us physically engaging in the world
1: definitely
0: both gender and sexuality
1: it's the clothes you wear, it's uh, how you present yourself to the world, it's the people you spend time with, uh, a lot of things.
0: And I th- I th- think it's constantly in flux. Like, it changes, right? Like, uh, when you ask me how did that conversation go, it's like, well, does Jen know? Yes, but we never had a conversation. She knows because we've been together so long. And so, it's not a conversation, it's more that's our relationship, Is that's part of okay. our relationship is open being open and talking about it so like I, th- there was never a point that i said hey i i like i like other people and they're bought in different bodies i like men i i would blow a dude if that's what you want me to say on tape todd <laughs> it's
1: not what i was trying to get from you but uh <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll edit that out
1: no no you leave that in there Tim. Tim, you you leave that in there god damn it
0: i will um is there anything else you want to say before we sign off
1: uh, the only thing i think i'd like to say tim is i love you brother and Aww. uh yeah you've been there for me for my whole friendship and everything oh, and uh you're
0: taking this way too seriously
1: and uh yeah i i, I accept you no matter what
0: <laughs> thank you i appreciate i i appreciate that i won't make a joke or
1: dismiss yeah, it. yeah you will you are totally gonna make a joke
0: nope i'm gonna spite you i'm, I'm spiting you now
1: Odds, oh, you're me is the joke, Tim. Therefore I win. Yeah.
0: Okay. This has been explanation with I'm Tim. Thank you for listening.
1: I'm Todd. Thank you for listening.
0: Yeah. And, uh, join us next week for part three of our ongoing discussion of human sexuality and how we just see it and how we define it and how we understand it. Thank you to Kula for the use of our theme song, Freed from Breed, off their album Trinity. You can listen to more of their music at Kula.com, C-U-L-L-A-H. As always, don't keep yourself in a box.